It's good to see you this morning. We're glad that you're here. And uh, got several uh, traveling today, so remember them in your prayers. And uh, next Sunday is Mother's Day, so I encourage you to uh, come. And uh, we're looking forward to that. We've got some special surprises for the mothers. And uh, to uh, that, I don't think we did that uh, this last year, but we'll do it this year. Uh, mothers, pick the songs for next week. If you would like to, um, you can write it on the bullet. You know that tear-off thing in the bulletin. If you have one that you want, uh, if Seth or uh, Evelyn can play it, we'll sing it. So um, get so uh, get those requests in. And uh, since uh, Seth's not here today, give them to Leslie. Uh, Leslie will collect them up. She gets volunteered for lots of stuff. So. Uh, but she will compile those for us, and uh, we'll, we'll sing uh, maybe one of your favorites uh, next Sunday. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, we've been studying through the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, you know, it's, isn't it wonderful to know that you're saved, that you're a child of God? Uh, and that your life has been changed, and no matter what comes your way, uh, you have been made new. I'm thankful that Jesus died for all, not just some. Uh, The Bible says anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's great news. That's the hope of the gospel because it means nobody is left out. Anybody that will trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ will be not only forgiven, but made brand new. And that's awesome news, isn't it? And so Paul, as he writes uh, this letter of 1 Corinthians, uh, is writing to remind the people, and this was a church, remember, that the city wasn't much different than ours. It was a very pagan city, uh, lots of crazy stuff going on and uh, people were being saved and their lives were being transformed Uh, but some evidently some in the church had forgotten how important it was to live differently from the world because you see when you're a child of God and God is in your life it reflects in how you live your life Understand this, that God does not save us from the outside in. In other words, you can't clean yourself up. I've had a lot of people say to me, Preacher, I know I need to get right. I know I need to be saved. And when I get things fixed in my life, why, I'm going to be at church and I'll get saved. Well, the reality is, if you wait to get things cleaned up before you get saved, you're never going to get saved. Because on your own devices, the only thing you can do is make things worse. The only one that has the power to save you and to change you is Jesus Christ. And the good news is is that if if you know him as Lord and Savior, he has changed you. And not only has he changed you, he is continuing to change you and continuing to work on you to make you into what he desires for you to be. So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to read all 23 verses this morning. Verse 1 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, 
as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants, nor anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But lest each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold or silver, precious stones or wood or hay or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work and of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ's, and Christ's is God's. So Paul had established this church in the city of Corinth, and had spent several years there. Uh, and it was a church that he loved, and he loved the people there. Uh, and we saw that especially as he began uh, the letter in his introduction, and how he you know, talked uh, about them and that he prayed for them. But then he said, you know what, I wish I was able to talk to you like grown-ups, but you're babies, and you can't handle it. Now, we all start out as babes in Christ when you are, are first saved and you come into that new relationship with Christ, you're born again, and you don't know everything that you're going to eventually know about Jesus and about God and how you live for God. But we all, at one time, we were physically born. We were babies. And somebody had to change us. Somebody had to dress us. Somebody had to feed us. 
Praise God, we can do all that on our own now. There would be a problem if you got to be 19 years old and mama was still cutting up your meat and, you know, doing the, you know, changing diapers and those, by the time you're 19, you ought to be out of diapers. And yet Paul is saying, you know what? You should be matured in Christ. You should be growing. But there's carnality. There's worldliness in you. Paul's quite burdened by that. And one thing that I think is destroying the church, just as it was destroying the church's witness in Corinth, it's destroying the church as a whole's witness today, is churches that are full of baby Christians that never learn to grow up. And so here's the thing, how, how do we grow up? How do we not be carnal? How do we behave like a child of God? And I want to suggest to you this morning, there's some things that Paul tells us, and he says the primary thing that you've forgotten, that you haven't grasped a hold of, is you're not your own. That you're not your own Savior, and you're not your own church, you're not your own foundation. He said, I hear there's divisions among you. See, some of you are in one camp that says, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos, and one says, I'm of Peter. And Paul says, that's carnal. That's fleshly. That's not how God's people are supposed to behave. And so he makes the point over and over and over again in these 23 verses that we read that we're all one. That yes, we're different members. And he's going to use that analogy later on in this letter of the body. And you have lots of different body parts. You've got some fingers. You've got two eyes. You've got a torso. You've got legs. Thank goodness our whole body isn't fingers. We'd be in trouble. And so Paul uses that analogy later on. He said, listen, you're all different parts, but you're part of the same body. And that's what he's beginning to develop here is that, listen, you've got to remember that as before you knew Christ, you were living your life for you. And the reality, though, maybe you thought about, you know, mom or dad, or you thought about your children, or you thought about others to a limited extent, you basically, you were concerned about yourself first. Nobody has to teach us to look after ourselves. We figure that out pretty quick and pretty easy. But Paul says, if you're of Christ, you're not going to live like the world lives. And so he says he wants you to remember that you, you don't own the temple. And the temple he's talking about was not four walls. It was the believers themselves. So he was reminding them, and he's reminding us this morning, you do not own yourself. He's going to say later on to the this, to this, this same group in Corinth, 
You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. The temple was a place where God came and where God worked and where God's spirit was. And Paul says, now that's you. You are God's temple. And so he's saying, act like it. It's one thing to put an under new management sign on a store, but it's entirely different to show that there's new owners. And so Paul said, and he, he wants us to think about three things. And the first thing is this, that we must remember that we are saved by Jesus Christ. Paul wants us to understand that our salvation is not something you did or something you earned or something you deserved. It is something that Jesus Christ bought and paid for and gives willingly and freely to all that will receive it. No preacher can save you, no matter how good a preacher I am, or no how good a preacher the preacher that founded this church, J.L. Gore. He was a great man of God. You think whatever preacher, whatever your favorite preacher might be, you fill their name in. They've never saved one person. Now, hopefully, their words have helped lead some people to Christ, but they themselves haven't saved one person. And so Paul said, why are you saying, I'm of Paul? And to put it in the world that we live in today, perhaps he would say, you know what, why are you saying you're Baptist? Or you're Meth- I'm Methodist? Or I'm Presbyterian? Because just as no preacher can save you, no denomination can save you. And I would tell you there are some denominations that are closer to the Bible than others. But even the ones that are closest to God's word can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. So if you build your life on preachers or on denominations, or even churches, I know some folks that Leslie and I moved here from a city that had three Free Will Baptist churches in that city. And there were three right on the other side of the river in Phoenix City. There were six churches um, together. And there were sometimes some people that said, well, I'm not going to association me or I'm not going to go to a cooperative revival or things because that's not my church. I'm of this church. And that's carnal-mindedness. We stay away from that when we remember that we are saved by Jesus Christ, by the blood that he shed. Not a denomination, not a church building, not a pastor, not a Sunday school teacher, not even a mama or a daddy or a grandma or grandpa. The only one that can save you is Jesus Christ. And he's the one you need to have a relationship with. And when we remember that it's Jesus that's the foundation of the church, it's Jesus that saved us, not Paul, not Apollos, not Peter, not Aaron, but it's Jesus. And so we all have the same Savior. And we're all part of the same body. 
And so when we remember that, we, we, we remind ourselves, hey, we're not ours. We don't, I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to Jesus. And so when we remember that we belong to Jesus, it changes how we live our life. You've done something this morning at 11 o'clock that uh, the 28,000 other people in Pearl, Mississippi did not do. You came to church. Why did you do that? Well, there's one of two reasons. One reason might be that you're saved and God has changed you, and so you know how important it is to gather with other believers in a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Or it may be, secondly, that you're searching for that God. But there are a lot of people in this world, the great majority, in fact, there's not a county... Uh, one uh, book that I read uh, by Nelson Searcy made the statement that there's not a county in the United States that has a population of over 50% that attends church. Not one county in the entire United States, including Rankin County, where we live. But it's not coming to church that makes you right with God. Now, coming to church kind of gives a signal that you either are right or you're trying to get right with God, but it doesn't make you right with God. But when you are saved and God changes you, you want to be around God's people, and you want to fellowship with God's people. And so you remember that, hey, listen, we're all saved by the by the same one. And that we're all held together. We all come to this saving relationship and that's what builds the foundation of our life. And Paul reminds us you can't have two foundations. That will cause extreme problems for any building and it's not going to stand. But he said, you know what? The foundation is Jesus and then there are others, and we take part in building upon that foundation. But if we put our, our, if we make anything other than Jesus Christ the foundation of our faith and our life, we're in big trouble. And then there's something else, though. Not only does Jesus Christ save us, but Paul wants us to remember that we are kept by Jesus Christ too. Jesus saves us, but then Jesus holds on to us. He says, listen, if anyone builds upon the foundation with gold or silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. He's talking about a, a judgment day, and Paul goes on, he says, you know what, we're all going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for the things we do, good or bad. Now, those things are not going to determine whether we get to heaven or not. That's determined by our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's going to be the only question that we're asked at the pearly gates, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? And the way your name gets written down in that Lamb's book of life is you putting your faith and trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ by believing that Jesus Christ saved you from the sin debt that you owed. 
that he paid that price for you and receiving that gift and confessing him as Lord and Savior. But he says, listen, there are things that we do as children of God. Going to church might be one of those things. Praying might be another one of those things. Reading our Bible, that's another thing, isn't it? Those are things that Christians do, people of God do, that others don't. But are we kept by good works? Are we kept by reading our Bible or praying? Well, those things, again, give evidence that something is taking place and something else is working in us. They said we're ultimately kept by Jesus himself. Because one day, and it's not the fact that I don't think that in that list it starts with gold, which is kind of the most, you know, think of, you know, and we still today, you know, we like gold jewelry and, you know, that kind of thing. And it kind of starts going downhill and it gets to straw. Straw, what's that? The, the point is not the value or the substance of the work, but the fact that there is work. Paul wants us to understand that if we're going to be his, if we're going to belong to Jesus, then we've got to be growing in him. And we've got to be coming more and more and more like him. The reality is, the more that you hang around somebody, the more you become like them. It's dangerous. Carl and they have a dog, and that dog's been in the house a long time. That dog started to look a little bit like Carl, that poor dog. But as you hang around people and you let them have influence in your life, you know what you do? You start talking like them. And you start behaving like them. And the priorities that they have become your priorities. And that's why scripture cautions us so much to be careful of the influences that we allow to come into our life. And the thing that ought to influence your life more than anything else as a child of God is Jesus Christ. And what he thinks. And how he lives. So we are kept, and he said, listen, those works, they're going to pass away. They're not going to last in eternity. The, the things that we think matter, really, probably most of them aren't going to matter a great deal in the grand scheme of eternity. But will matter is what we've done for Jesus and what we've done with him. Or maybe more importantly, what he's done with us. How he's changed us. And made us something different than what we once were. And so he says it'll be clear and the person will receive a reward if it endures, if it lasts. Now the gold and the silver and those precious stones, they're going to last aren't they in fire? But the wood and the straw are going to get burned up. Paul says, listen, those that the, the works get burned up, 
The works are going to be destroyed, but they're going to make it to heaven. And again, it's because our works don't save us. It's Jesus that saves us. And it's not our works that keep us. It's Jesus that keeps us. But when Jesus is keeping us, we behave differently. Sure, I've used Carl. I'm going to go to the back of the room now. Brother George and Miss Kay have grandchildren. That granddaughter is the sweetest thing. She came last Easter Sunday, two weeks ago. They were here. Sweetest girl. And when she's at Nana and Papa's house, she is a little angel. She does no wrong. Now, she's probably a pretty good kid. I don't know her very well. And George doesn't tattle on her to me. But I guarantee you when she is not at Nana and Papa's house, she's at home with Mom and Dad, even though she's a pretty good kid overall. But we were all teenagers. We know how teenagers are. There's probably an occasion she mouths off. I guarantee you something about her. She don't mouth off to Papa. She behaves differently when she's in their presence and here's the thing when you're in the presence of Jesus and you're living for him you behave differently and the point that Paul is trying to get us to realize is you're not just in the presence of Jesus on Sunday when you're at church singing hymns and listening to preaching how do we know that where do you go to hear preaching and singing and read the scriptures together. You go to church, don't you? You go to the temple. Where did Paul say what the temple was? It wasn't in Jerusalem. And it wasn't at 2412 Upper Drive. Paul says the temple is you. And so if the temple is you, and the temple is where God's presence lives. That means God lives inside of you all the time. Ugh. And that means the things that you say and the things that you do, Jesus does with you. And so when you are carnally minded and you're doing things that this world does and you're, uh, you're thinking the way the world thinks, it is an indicator that you're focused on the wrong things and that you're trying to be kept by the wrong things. You see, Jesus has the power to keep you, to supply the things and the longings of your heart, the desires that you have, but this world, though it promises to meet your every desire. You know, the people that are bound into to drug addiction, they don't start as drug addicts. You know what? They, they start using just one time, and then that drug, whatever it is, gets their hook in them. And each time it gets in a little bit more and a little bit more and a little more until they're totally on and they can't get off. But there's one that can get them off that hook, and his name is Jesus. What does that have to do? Jesus says, listen, you are kept by me. Jesus said in the Gospel of John in chapter 15, 
He said, I want you to remain in me and I in you. He said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He said, I want you to get your nourishment from me. And Paul is speaking to this Corinthian church that's being so carnal and so affected by the heathen world that it, that it lives in and is not making an impact on the world because it's just like the world. And so Paul wants us to understand we are not saved by us, we don't save ourselves, and we don't keep ourselves saved. We are saved by the grace of Jesus. But Now, do we have a part to play in salvation? Absolutely we do. And do we have a part to play in staying saved? Absolutely we do. But the power, the source, the thing that helps us to not only begin that relationship, but to continue in that relationship is not us. It's Jesus Christ. And so he wants you to understand, listen, you are God's house. And that house that you have, you don't own it. There is a deed for that house, but your name's not on it. Jesus' name is on it. And so then he says, you know what? Not, you, so you've got to remember those two things, but then you've got to remember something else. He says, lastly, you must ensure that we are directed by Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, hey, listen, if you are going to be kept by Jesus, if you're saved by Jesus, then your life is going to be directed by Jesus. So the ways of this world and the things of this world will not have any hold on your life because something else has a hold on your life. Like he told, said in the Gospel of Matthew, man cannot serve two masters. He will love the one and hate the other. You remember, he cannot serve God and mammon. You can only have one master. And so Paul says to the Corinthian church, you've got to decide who owns you. Did you know God loves you enough to decide whether you want to be his or not? And he will let you decide, I don't want to be his. I want to be mine. He's not going to be happy with that, but he'll let you decide that. But he will also let you decide, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. So Paul says to the Corinthian church and to us, Avoid, stay away from worldly wisdom. Don't think like this world thinks. It says God knows how this world wisdom is. And it stinks. It fails. It promises the moon but delivers dust. So he says, you know what? Remember... That it's not about the prideful things that we do. It's not about boasting in who we are. It's not about saying, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter or Cephas. Understanding that 
in God we have all that we need. And understand that the world's ways are not God's ways. And so if we're going to say that our world, our life, our house is owned by Jesus Christ, then we have to live according to that. You know, I like the Tennessee Titans, and I hope they got a good uh, pick uh, yesterday in a Liberty University graduate. I've got Tennessee Titan wristwatch Leslie got me for Christmas, and I've got seat covers on my car. They're Tennessee Titans. I don't have Atlanta Falcon stuff anywhere in my house. I have Atlanta Falcon socks. I despise the Atlanta Falcon. In Jesus, of course. But I don't like them. And so I don't wear their colors. Those that play for the Tennessee Titans wear blue and white. They don't wear black and red. And here's what Jesus says. He said, if you're going to be on my team, if I'm owned by you, you better show my colors. In other words, the things that you do better reflect well on me. And the way that you behave better reflect well on me. And those things that you share, those things that you... You know, it's, it's hard and it blows my mind. Some folks post trash on Facebook on Friday and Saturday... And on Sunday, put a post about how good God is and what a blessing it is to be able to go to church. Well, let me tell you, there's none of us that are perfect, and we all struggle, and we all have times we fail, and by the grace of God, God forgives us. And it's a reminder, we're not kept by the things we do. We're kept by Jesus Christ and his strength and our relationship with him. But here's the thing, if you're going to be Jesus's on Sunday, that means you're Jesus's on Monday morning too. And that means you're Jesus's on Friday night at 9 o'clock in the evening. Paul wants to remind us, and the problem with the church of Corinth was they wanted to do that. They wanted to go to church on Sunday, but then live like the world and for the world Monday through Saturday. And Paul said, listen guys, that will not work. You've got to decide who owns you. Who owns the house? Is it you or is it Jesus? And you need to decide it and you need to start living like it. You say, oh, I don't want anybody to know I'm, I'm living for Jesus then you're not living for Jesus. Because if you really are living for Jesus, people will know it even if you don't open your mouth and say anything. Because your life's going to be quite different. It's not going to be perfect. But it better be different. And you better be flying different colors than this world flies. I love Tennessee football, even when they have losing seasons, which they have most of their history. 
They've had a couple good ones, but they've had a bunch of lousy ones too. But I tell you, I love Jesus a whole lot more. And if I had to choose between Jesus and football, you better believe I would choose Jesus. And it may not be football that God asks you to choose between. But can I tell you, there's choices that you're going to have in life. And you're going to have, Jesus is going to say, you choose me or you choose whatever this is. And you're going to have a choice to make. And if you don't know who owns you, you're going to make a wrong choice probably. But Paul wants us to understand as a church, he said, church, remember that if you understand that the foundation is Jesus Christ and he's solid and he's eternal, he's not going anywhere, he doesn't change, he's there, he's the same. If you will understand that if you build your foundation upon that, everything else is going to fall into place. Jesus gave the illustration. He said, you know what? A man that builds a house, he builds it on stone. A storm comes. Guess what? The house probably stands. Lots of folks in our state, down south from here, houses built on sand, Guess what happens when storms come? Those houses that were sitting on sand when the storm comes, they fall down. They don't last. And now they build them up high off the ground and they, they're steel and all kinds of stuff underneath them to keep hold them in place. And so Paul says, you need to understand you need to know what your foundation is. Is your foundation Jesus? Or is it something else? If it's anything else, you're in trouble because your foundation's about to give way and your life is about to fall apart. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness, your word, and how it challenges us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to remember that we are saved and we are kept by you. And if we're going to be yours, we need to be directed by you. And if, Lord, there's one here today, one watching on Facebook or YouTube that doesn't know that, they, they've never trusted in you, they've never found that forgiveness, would you help them today to acknowledge their sin and believe that you are the Son of God, that you paid their sin debt for them by shedding your sinless, perfect blood on a cross of Calvary? And may they receive that gift and confess you as Lord. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today and they like some of these current Christians. Lord, they're saved, but just barely. And as they look at their life and as you've spoken to their heart today, they know they're not where they ought to be with you and they're not living the way they ought to be. There's things in their life that they need to surrender to you and get out of their life. Would you help them to surrender those things today? Would we turn those things over and say, Lord, you're the new owner of my life. You take possession of these things and get rid of them for me. Lord, help us to be different. 
help us to shine your light by our difference. And may people see the difference in us is you, that you have come into our life and made us new. Lord, that you are alive and working in us and through us. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet that this world might come to know you as Lord and Savior. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. If God spoke into your heart, there's a decision you need to make today. God, say, you know what? Today would be a great day to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Today would be the great day to find the foundation of your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Maybe today you say, you know what, yeah, I've made that profession, but it's not showing very well. So we're saying you need to make a decision for the Lord Jesus.